You're listening to Ants Talk. Only two years ago, my next guest was told by doctors she would be homeless due to her mental health and financial circumstances at the time. And yet three months later, after receiving that prediction, she landed a six-figure salary at a major Australian bank. What's more, just three weeks ago, she moved into her brand new home. We're going to talk about her six-year journey with five involuntary mental health hospitalizations, which is shared in her new book, Being Brave, From Trauma to Joy. Welcome to the show, Alana May Mitchell. How are you, Alana? I'm so well. Thank you for having me online today. Anne. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on to the show. I'm really fascinated by your journey. I really am. So I'm going to get into some questions for you, if that's okay. Yeah, more than happy to. All righty. Alana, I know that you write about your first admission to a mental health ward in your book, but could you tell the listeners what actually happened? Yeah, definitely. So with my first admission, I was in between roles at the time and I'm quite driven, quite career oriented. Mm -hmm. So I found that quite challenging. Um, And my mental health started to go to the side um, and I was at Terrigal on the Central Coast, which is in New South Wales, yep, just north oh, of well. Sydney. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so I was there with my dad and, you know, my, like my, my disordered thinking, how I was at that time, um, totally flipped out. I had what was called a psychotic episode where I was taken from the hotel where I had ran to in Terrigal to Gosford Hospital and I stayed overnight in the emergency ward in Gosford Hospital and then was admitted to a mental health facility. Right. So what did you feel? Was it, did you feel anything internally changing prior to this? So there were a few cues from say my family that were, that I wasn't quite as normal as what I was before. Um, But the majority of like what I was believing to be true, I thought was true. So Mm. it kind of crept up on me. It was one week, you know, pretty, pretty normal, but a few things, a few things that I was thinking weren't really in hindsight that normal. Um, And then, you know, a week later, a psychotic episode, my first one. Yeah. So what are some of the thoughts you have when you're having an episode? They vary. And they're kind of like theories that don't really hold to be true. So as in I was thinking people were conspiring against me. Uh, Yeah, that's what happened in that first one. I was thinking people were conspiring against me. Yeah, because I often think to myself, mental health is, even if it is just depression or something, it's such a large gamut of emotions and thoughts and feelings etc etc and I think a lot more people deal with it daily than people realize and it's I think it's a really good idea um just that's why I wanted to speak to you because I think it's a really great thing for other people that might be struggling or having thoughts themselves or things like that to sort of get a good idea of maybe I should go and seek some help yeah definitely so the thing with the first one is that I tried earlier on to seek help. Like I went to a a doctor, a psychologist, because there's psychologists and psychiatrists, but Mm. psychologists. And at that time, they didn't really get to what was going on. 
Um, but I did find that with the other ones that I have had, that there's been the people around me who have noticed the shifts in my behavior because in that state, like I'm not, I, I, I'm not able to determine the shifts myself. So I really rely on other people to pick that up. But having said what you mentioned there, if someone is able in in a mental health influence that they can determine when they're not okay and they can go and seek help. I think that's important too. Because I remember reading in your book that it wasn't sort of, I mean, this just didn't come out of nowhere. It was, you were extremely quite stressed at the time. There was a lot of work happening, a lot of personal issues, financial issues. So it wasn't just, you know, sort of like you woke up one day and went, oh, (laughs) do you know what I mean? I think there's definitely uh, other things that impact your life that then, you know, bring on a side of obviously of depression or stress or anxiety. And, and then obviously it steamrolls from there. Mm, absolutely. Mm. So when you do get the medication, how, how does it work to normalize you again? How quickly does it work? So I don't know the answer to that question, actually, <laughs> how quickly it works. I've never been asked that before. I've never even thought about it myself, but it's a really great um, question there because you know I take medication once a night mm-hmm. uh, in the evening, and what they what it does is it resets the chemical balance in my brain yeah. because I experienced before like when I was not on, on medication because I thought it was due to stress and my environment mm. that six months intervals I would be having these psychotic episodes. So I've since found taking medication consistently for the last two and a half years. There's been no, nothing is strange. I've just been having a normal, quite joyful and abundant life. Mm. Is there any side effects from the medication? Oh, I think I'm a little bit heavier than I would have (laughs) been before, probably. But I mean, I can exercise and watch what I eat. So it's, it's, it's all within control. Yeah, that's good. Now, can you tell us about your other visits? Because I know that there were several. Yeah, so the most, the one that I probably speak about is the final one <clears throat> that I had. And that was a stay. So I had a business venture that I had a few clients for, but I didn't have enough clients. Um, I had bills to pay and was going along and, you know, was really on the edge financially. Mm. Um, and so. I was living with a housemate at the time and she noticed things were going a bit strange with me. So she called my parents and they called the ambulance and I was taken to hospital. Mm. Um, was in hospital and was taken from the emergency place to the mental health ward at 2am, just taken across the car park by two security guards. Um, so, you know, it's quite traumatic in what the admission was, but yeah, stayed there for a month. And that was where one of the doctors who learned of my financial situation um, reflected it back to me from the context of his environment and what he's surrounded by. And, you know, said to me that I will be homeless, at which point I said, it is the strongest resolve that I've ever had, but no, I will not, I will not be homeless. And I made that choice there. And created a business in hospital with a patient who was creative. I mean, he was still pretty well, um, had a few things going on, but pretty well. 
and <clears throat> we tested out this business. I built a website in hospital and the nurses were That's amazed. Amazing. Yeah, they were so amazed. They were like, you know, this is what the time in hospital should be used for, to give you a platform to go out and do to recover, to create, mm. and then go out and do these amazing things. And it turned out that from the content I was posting, so for your listeners, if there's something they feel joyful about and they absolutely love, I encourage them to share it because through me sharing that business venture, which was called Acuity Coffee, uh, one of the people in my network saw the content I was creating. He was inspired by it. I ended up getting in contact with him through a post he didn't realize he did on LinkedIn. And he went on to offer me a role with a six-figure salary at a major Australian bank. It's crazy, isn't it? Dest- yeah, in the, good, dest- in the good way. <laughs> destiny, destiny and fate just spins me out. It really does. So with that coffee thing, because I did read a little bit about it, that, that was actually very interesting because I'd heard the names before because it was making oh. the, um, the bags out of uh, hemp. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So the innovation that my co-founder for Acuity Coffee had was that he was telling me he didn't like all the waste that came with mm. coffee, you know, the coffee pods, um, so many of those people, some people recycle them, not, not all people recycle them. And so he had this idea that you can make coffee bags out of organic hemp mesh. And I thought, I was hearing it and I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant. Like such a good idea. Yeah. Let's test it out. Um, so I combined that with um, when I went to find the coffee to put in the bags, because I sewed the bags. I found the coffee from this coffee roaster and she was in a warehouse that had an organic store and they had all these ingredients like organic rose petals and organic cacao nibs. And I thought I'm going to make organic chocolate truffles and sell them with the coffee. (laughs) So they were just, they went really well at Bondi farmers markets. Yeah. That's incredible. So can you tell us what would be, what would you say the hardest thing about your journey has been? I think the lead up when I was uh, just before that fifth admission, that final admission, Mm. that was pretty hard in the circumstances that got to that place. My business wasn't going very well. I didn't have income. I had bills to pay and I still, you know, was trying to find work, trying to transition back into financial services Mm. and it just wasn't happening for me. Yeah. Like as much as I tried, I, it just, it just wasn't happening. Um, so that was really difficult. And then the other time that was difficult was when I, it felt difficult for me, but it wasn't for other people was when I was taken from my workplace, having a psychotic episode and taken from my workplace to hospital via an ambulance. Mm. And the difficult part for me was going back to that office because they gave yeah. me sick leave and they looked after me so well. Um, but going back to that workplace, I felt Im- really embarrassed yeah. about what had happened. But their response was, we're so glad to have you back and what support can we give you? So That's amazing. Yeah. There is nothing to be embarrassed about. It's, it's, it's just another health issue. It really is. I mean, that's, I think that's what we've realised, if anything, over the last few years because mental health is being spoken about so much more. It's just another illness it's like having a diabetes or a thyroid condition or something like that where things go wrong and then once you're medicated it's back to normal and 
it's just another health issue. So, I mean, really, there is nothing to be embarrassed about at all. At all. No. <laughs> yeah. And that point where you've touched on is to not be embarrassed is really true because in the personal development that I've done for myself, I have fully accepted my experiences, written a book about it, and now talking with you. Yeah. And the way that I've accepted it within myself enables that acceptance within others. So exactly. it's not something that they come back and say, oh, I don't, I don't even know what people would say. Yeah. I really do believe that majority of humans deal with some, some sort of degree of it throughout their lives, every single human. I really do. It's mm. just, you know, it just, it just depends on their own uh, mental balance and, and chemical balance and what they're dealing with. And I mean, look at the moment with COVID and people being locked down, people are losing their minds over that. So mm. It's, mm. it really does affect everybody, I do believe. Um, what is the one thing you would say people get wrong about mental health issues? Good question. I would say the biggest thing is when I was in hospital, there's a lot of talk between the patients about how they were admitted to hospital. Mm. And these are people who are in crisis. So they are traumatic experiences and they are sharing them in a way that is, in my view, re-traumatizes them through them telling their story again in that way and also traumatizes other people with what happened with them. And it becomes like a, oh, well, this happened to me um, kind of situation, which I think there could be more support to address the crisis that happened with the admission. Mm. Because it must be really traumatic. You're in this state already and then I suppose the way that they're dealing and doing things sometimes is very forced because they have to, I suppose. But yeah, I can imagine that it would be extremely traumatic to go through, especially when you're already in a state where, you know, as you were saying earlier on, ideas of people being conspiring against you. And I can imagine mm. that that, would, that feeling would then be tenfold when these people are grabbing you and throwing you in a van and taking you away somewhere. It would absolutely be an, a spin out. I do have to say there, though, there are different approaches. So I write about in the book how when, when I was in Bondi, I'd gone to visit a yoga studio to seek my yoga teacher in for some reason, um, and I ended up with um, police and ambulance officers around me. And is that, was when, one, is that one, when you called out fire? No, that oh, was that another. Was a... <laughs> yeah, there's so, there's so many. I remember, I remember that one. That was quite Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a I was... chuckle about that. <laughs> yeah calling out fire instead of help i love it Um, so yes that in that bond situation of bondi there was a lady from the yoga studio who i did not know came out to me and was saying to me heart to heart soul to soul light to light over and over again and i couldn't make eye contact with people um at that time but she was one person who I glimpsed at and I remember her, that support was just amazing. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. And it's yeah. such, it's actually such a simple thing to say, but such, I mean, I was touched then when you just said it. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. What an incredible yeah. woman. Make sure you subscribe to Ants Talk. So what advice would you offer anyone who thinks they may be in the same boat as you when you were going through the episodes? 
listen to what other people are saying to you. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really hard because, as I said before, like the situation I was in with the disordered thoughts, you know, I didn't know, I believed them, so I didn't know that something was going wrong mm. and things were escalating. I didn't know that. I just thought that I was on to something and my behaviours were slightly different with my family and friends. So as much as you can, really listen to what others are reflecting back to you. Yeah. It's funny, you know, because even at the moment, I've got some friends that um, are going through this whole COVID thing as we all are together and, and they already had conspiracy theory thoughts. And I've found that over time and how, as this prolonged on, the thoughts are getting more and more escalated about these conspiracy theories. And I think it's something that I'm not saying that they're true and not true. And I mean, who knows what the truth is, but I just think that at this present time, we should just be maybe ignoring that sort of stuff. I think people, especially because we've now got social media, there can be a news story you can read every hour if you wanted to about someone else's ideas about what's going on. And I think that the less time, that if, if we are getting embroiled and all that, it's probably a really good time to step away from the computer <laughs> and, go, and just go and do something for yourself and just live life, really, because with yeah. life, life is still there to be lived even without this COVID thing. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. I wrote an article um, that I posted on Facebook and LinkedIn um, that was something along the lines of to do with COVID that we we united because of love, not because of war. Yeah. We were united because we cared. And I really feel that, you know, caring for other people, taking actions. I'm going to start wearing a mask in, I'm in New South Wales, but I'm going to start wearing a mask in New South Wales when they get delivered this week. And it's not mandatory, but it's encouraged. Mm. Um, but I really think that united action and us all working together to be able to, um, I don't I don't really, really like the battle the virus, beat the virus. I don't really like that. But yeah. unite to better for our health is something that we can all buy into. And I think, you know, when there's a war, it's, I remember reading something like if you were the house that had your lights on when there were bombers overhead, you wouldn't be talking about, you know, your rights. I saw that myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's such a good example. Like, it is. Sure, a mask is a bit uncomfortable. My friends in Singapore have been wearing masks for 10 to 12 weeks. Mm. And he was like, you know, we just we just got to do it. We, this is just what this. It's one of the one things that you can do that makes a difference. That's it, exactly. No, I agree. So tell us about your career now. Yeah, so I am a senior product development manager in a major Australian bank. Wow. I when I came back into the bank, I scored a promotion for myself, so I was more senior than my previous experience in financial services that I had when I landed that role three months later after I got that news from the doctor. And now I'm managing a multi-million dollar project um, that we're doing in the bank. And I have a team of business analysts that I work with and I've even gone through and run workshops with them about what I do from a product development perspective and also run workshops and meditations with them um, on accepting the coronavirus when it came out first off. And they've been really encouraging. 
That's amazing. And I also know that you met your love, David, during all this. <laughs> Tell us more yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so such I... a great story. C continue, sorry. Oh, no, I, I already know the story, but please tell the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. So I was looking for a housemate and it was at that time where I was really strapped financially, you know, going into debt, having credit cards um, and asking for help from my family. And I was looking for a housemate and there was a person who introduced me to a guy called David. She said, he's great. He's really clean. Um, maybe he's interested in your place. And I thought, okay, well, I'll see. And so I had preferred to live with a girl because I, I don't know, just find it, I can chat more. Um, yeah. I thought, okay, well, you know, broaden my horizons. Let's meet David. And so I met David and he was so happy. He's so bubbly, um, really joyful guy. And I thought, he's great. Um, he's Colombian. And I then realized that the rent that I was asking for was too high for what he wanted to pay. So I, we didn't initially um, meet, reach an agreement, but I kept him in mind and I realized that, you know, the support that had been extended to me by others, I could also do that for him. Mm. So I did that and he moved in and I remember I had such challenges with my previous housemate with cleaning. It was a big deal. I was clean. She was not. And I remember I walked in from work in the afternoon and he had these bright yellow gloves on. The bench was all soapy and he looked up at me and he smiled. He's like, oh, I'm cleaning. <laughs> and I thought I just died and gone to heaven. Um, it was amazing. And then I found out through still on medication but um at that point i was getting injections because uh, long story but i was getting injections which were strong um so what happened was i think they call it an oir oir but it's hard to say but it means that your um eyes roll up involuntarily into the back of your head and so that was happening to me at work and i had to come home and go to the doctor and talk to the doctor about what was going on, see if we could do something mm. about it. Cause I didn't know I went to an optometrist and thought, what's this about? Mm. Anyway, uh, so I was lying on the couch and David had made a few moves. Like I was starting to get the sense from him that he was interested in being more than just a housemate, but I still thought, Oh, you know, we're going for a walk to the beach. We're walking as friends. We're going, we're doing this to dinner. We're going as friends, but he was thinking it was more. So I was lying on the lounge and I closed my eyes because of the eye thing going on and he came over and he gave me a kiss on each eye and then he moved on and kissed me on the lips. So cute. Uh, <laughs> 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 thing. Um, and so then I started to think, oh, well, maybe he could be my boyfriend because he put that proposition to me and I was mm. like, well, I'm not really sure about living with my boyfriend straight away, you know, that's a big deal for me. <laughs> uh, but it turned out really well. Um, and yeah, we hit it off and we're pretty much inseparable since then. That's amazing. I love that story so much. It's so cute. <laughs> now, at the end of your book, you actually pose a question for the reader. We actually pose a couple, but I'd actually like to ask you one of those questions. What version of you are you inspired to be right now? 
Wow. Good, good question. And I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't, expe- I wasn't expecting me to answer my own, <laughs> own questions. What am I inspired to be? Um, definitely expansive. Mm-hmm. Definitely accepting. I can really feel that there's a lot with how my story is and now that the book's out there that I can be more of an advocate within yeah. the mental health arena. I've made a few connections with people in the New South Wales government who to do with mental health um, and really through my lived experience and accepting all of them that I can be a voice for a voice for better outcomes. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Brilliant. Now tell us about the book. Where can people find it? So it's online. It's uh, you can have the ebook or the print book. Mm-hmm. It's at www.alanamaymitchell.com. Or if you look on Amazon, it's on Amazon. It's on Book Depository. Yeah, it's it's a it's actually a really good read. I I read the whole thing. The oh, other day. I'm glad. I, I, yeah, yeah, as soon as you sent it to me, I started reading it, and I I just couldn't stop scrolling through reading it. It was actually a very good read. I loved it. So listeners, get out there and have a listen. And can you just reiterate that website one more time? Yeah, sure. It's www.alanamaymitchell.com. Fantastic. Alana, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I hope that things just continue to blossom for you like it sounds like they definitely are. And enjoy your time with David. Yes. <laughs> and thank, thank you so you much again. for again. Oh, it's my pleasure, darling. Thank you so much for coming on. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.